As I said, I want to do a little bit of a shorter message today, and I wanted to tell you, um, don't get your hopes up that I'm going to be doing that every week, because uh, I am going to be going back to my regular length next week, but we'd love to have you come back. But I've got a message today I'm praying that will really have a profound impact on our lives. This is not just another Sunday. It's not just another day that we're kind of going through the motions. This is Resurrection Sunday. And there's, there's basically um, two components to this holiday season that are really distinct about this holiday season. And one of them is the Friday experience and one of them is the Sunday experience. Friday we call Good Friday. And Good Friday is all about the death of, death of Jesus Christ on, on a cross. But there's also the Sunday experience about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it really is both components together that really make up the reason why we're celebrating this weekend. And I think that most people have a fairly good understanding of what Good Friday is all about. But I think a lot of times we don't really recognize or understand what Resurrection Sunday is all about. So I want to talk about those two components today. And the the first one is Good Friday. This is the day when Jesus did for you what no one else was willing to do for you. He took on his body, the payment or the penalty for your sin that actually had to be paid for. Because you see, every one of us here today have sinned, have committed sin, and that sin actually has a price tag to it. It's attached to it that someone has to pay for. So Jesus stepped in and took your sentence for you. He died for your sin, and catch this, so that you wouldn't have to. Listen, and it wasn't just a display of love, though it was. It wasn't just a display of power, though it was. It was much more than that. He was actually committing and conducting a transaction that has to take place in every one of our lives. You see, we either have to allow Jesus to pay for our sin, or we actually can pay for sin ourselves. See, hell was not a place that was created for you and I. It's created for people that have simply made a choice to say, I will pay for my own sin. So, All that Jesus asks in return is if we choose to follow after him is that we do what he did. He went all in with us. He's asking us to go all in with him. And that we spend the rest of our life figuring out what it means to go all in with Jesus Christ. And I think that there are many of you here today that you're actually going to make this decision. That God's going to speak to your heart. Something is going to change on the inside and you're going to recognize I've just been stuck in a Friday experience And I want to move on and see what God has for me. And when you do, you're going to actually be shocked. You're going to be surprised because you have seen Christianity as loss or things that you've got to give up. You've seen it as rules and regulations and have-tos rather than understanding its get-tos and understand the abundant life that Christ has for you today. Because when you don't understand the Resurrection Sunday, which is the second component, we don't understand the power of his resurrection. We don't understand what that actually means for us today. Because, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool that Jesus rose from the dead. And and I think that any, any person that predicts their death and their resurrection and then pulls it off, that's somebody I want to listen to. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but some have, and they've thought, well, you know, that's kind of your Christian fairy tale that Jesus rose from the dead. Listen, Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he rose from the dead. And and if people were willing to die for the cause of Christ, it helps you understand that Jesus really did rise from the dead. So my prayer today is that before you leave here today, you're going to allow what Jesus has already paid for 
You're going to allow that payment to be applied to your life. But I'm also praying that you get a revelation of what Resurrection Sunday actually means so that you can experience the resurrection life of Jesus. Because listen, if Friday took care of everything that we need, why did we have to have a Sunday? Why did Jesus need to walk out of the grave? And I think there's several reasons why Jesus needed to walk out of the grave. One of them is to prove that he actually is who he said he was. And again, as I said earlier, anyone who predicts their death and walks out of the grave, that's someone I'm buying into. In fact, when you understand that his brother bought into it, I don't know about you, but when I think of my brothers, there aren't any, there's not very much that could convince me they were the Messiah unless they died and rose from the grave also, right? So we, we want to we understand what it is that Christ did. So here's the reason that I want to look at today, and probably for a lot of you it might be kind of unique, a different spin on Celebration Sunday, because most of you have a pretty good understanding of the Friday experience. You kind of understand what it means to be, to, to surrender your life or give your life to Christ, but maybe you haven't fully grasped yet what Resurrection Sunday is all about. But here's what it is. Jesus walked out of the grave to conquer death, but not just for himself, he did it for you and I too. It's pretty amazing. See, Jesus conquered death and proved that he had the power to do so, and he conquered death so that you and I could actually have the power to do so also. In fact, when he was speaking to John, the disciple whom he loved, and John wrote the book of Revelation, he said this to John in Revelation 1 verse 18. Jesus is talking and he's saying, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Listen, Jesus loved the way he was preaching so much, he amened himself. I know how that feels because sometimes I'm preaching pretty good and y'all aren't amening me. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm just going to amen myself if that's okay with y'all. And then he goes on and says this, and I hold the keys of Hades and of death. Listen, I don't know if you've ever recognized how defeated the devil actually is, but he is so defeated, he doesn't even have keys to his own house. That's pretty amazing. Listen, and that's more than amazing. That's more than funny. That's a reality that you and I need to understand. Do you know why? Because keys unlock things. There's a key that God wants to unlock in every one of our hearts today because what Jesus is basically saying was, I was resurrected so that I could possess the power to unlock death for everyone. It's important because there are a lot of people who have had the Friday experience. They've given their life to Jesus. They've, They've surrendered. They believe in Jesus, but you're still stuck in a grave. You're still bound up in some things that God, through Christ Jesus, has already set you free from. And just so you know, God does not want you to be there. He doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to get stuck there. And that's why the story of Jesus is the gospel. It really is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because I'm afraid there are too many followers of Jesus Christ that think surrendering their life to Christ means this horrible life, and I'm just going to try to hang in until Jesus comes. Listen, it's not. God's got an amazing life for you. He's got this amazing plan for your life because he doesn't want you to just be saved, to just get in and, okay, I'm in, so I'm good, and I can just camp here for the rest of my life. He's got a lot more for you. 
So all throughout the New Testament, which by the way, we are not in the Old Testament anymore. We're not in the Old Covenant anymore. We are in the New Testament. We're under the New Covenant today. What's the difference? Old Covenant was do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. New, New Covenant is because Jesus did good, we get good, period. It's amazing, the New Covenant. So all throughout the New Covenant, God is explaining how you and I can walk in this amazing, abundant life. That honestly, again, for some of you that are going to make the decision today, you're going to be shocked over the next several weeks, months, and years as you begin to walk in the abundant life that God has for you. Here's how Paul said it. Paul was this apostle that wrote over half the Bible. And he wrote letters to different churches to help them understand what Christ had done. And here's what he says in Philippians, that I may know him. Now the word know is not just to know about him. Because that's where a lot of Americans are today. They know about Jesus. But this is to know him intimately and, and what Paul? And the power of his resurrection. I'm afraid there are way too many Christians that only live that first part of the verse, that I might know him, that I might know him, that I might know him. Paul's going, no, I want you to go on and experience the power of his resurrection. So I guess my question for every one of you today would begin with, do you know Christ? Do you, do you not know about him? Do you, do you know him? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior today? And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to pray a simple prayer to give your life fully to, to the Savior of the world who gave his life fully to you. But my second question, and this is for everyone that is here today, do you know the power of his resurrection? After you surrendered your life to Christ, after you, you prayed that prayer, made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, have you allowed him access into every area of your life, even the areas of your life that there's destruction and there's death? And there's dying because it is possible to be a follower of Jesus Christ and going to heaven and live like hell on earth. Have you given access to those places? And I'm asking this because, again, there are so many followers of Jesus Christ who have experienced salvation. They prayed the prayer, they gave their life to Christ, but they're still dying in areas of their life. They're stuck in patterns with, there's ruts in their lives and they, they can't seem to break free from. And all a rut is is a grave with the ends knocked out. And you're stuck in some things. And listen, some of you are stuck in a grave because of some of your past behavior. Some things that you did wrong. And what the devil is trying to constantly do is to bring shame into your life. He's trying to, to shame you all the time. To get you to think all the time about the things that you've done wrong. Or he's allowing someone else in your life to remind you of all the things that you've done wrong. So you're either playing the home movie in your mind and you're remembering what you did two years ago, two, two, 20 years ago, whatever it would be. And, and even though it's part of your past, it's still part of your present and you're, you're dealing with shame. And listen, it's a, it's a heavy weight that you are not designed to carry. God doesn't want you to carry this. You can. You can carry shame and still make heaven. You can carry all the shame that the enemy's trying to get you to hold on to, but it's going to keep you from running the race. It's going to keep you from walking in the fullness of life that God has for you. And listen, the shame is a prison. It, it does it, that you are inside bars and you don't recognize it, but the door has already actually been unlocked. And with simple push of the open door, you can walk out of the shame of prison. It's a robber. It's come to steal, kill, and destroy things in your life. 
And you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And even though Christ died to set you free, you're not really walking in the freedom that God has for you. And what Christ wants you to do is he wants you to bring the shame that's in your life to the cross. And he wants you to leave it there and not pick it back up again. And when other people in your life try to remind you of your past, you just remind them of your future, that you're a blood-bought child of God, that that shame no longer has a hold on you. You got to forgive yourself. Here's, here's how Paul says it in Romans. Again, a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. He says, therefore, it, therefore, meaning in light of the fact that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, watch this, there is now no condemnation. There's no shame. Oh, Pastor Richie, I got to carry shame. No, you don't. You can. Got to let you. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more shame. We've got to take it to the cross and leave it there and say, I'm not picking up that weight anymore. So for some of you, it's shame. For others of you, though, today, it's fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the future. Fear paralyzes you. And it keeps you from moving forward in the abundant life that God has for you. You're, you're so concerned and worried about things. And, and you think that if I can just control things, then things are going to be okay. And you don't understand that you have absolutely really no control over most things in your life. Have you discovered that, those of you that are married? Those of you that have kids? Those of you that have parents? I think that includes every one of us today. We've got so limited control in our life. And we get so fearful about things in the future. And we think that if I can just hold on to this, and what happens is we don't trust God in certain areas of our life. We'll trust God by receiving him as our savior, but we won't trust him with our finances. We won't trust him with our kids. We won't trust him with our job. And what it does in our life is it creates this, this insecurity. And we've been, just like, just like shame, it ends up being a weight that we end up carrying. And it keeps us from moving forward. And just so you know, fear is a liar. Y'all remember Princess Bride? Liar! Right? That's what fear is. It's constantly whispering in your ear and saying things about you or about God that are different than what his word says. And we have a, have a, a the tendency to put more trust in our problems, our circumstances, our situations, even things we think might happen than we do in the promises of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you actually get to choose what it is that you believe. You believe certain things because you've made a choice. No, 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 that's not right. I just have to believe. No, you don't have to believe anything that the enemy is lying to you about. It's also a tyrant. It wants to rule over you. It wants to dominate you. It wants to cause you to run from the life that God has for you. Because every time there's a problem in your life, lying, that lying spirit will begin to tell you, look, if God really loved you, then why did he let this happen? And we've got to understand the promises of God so we can begin to stand on the promises of God and silence the lies of the enemy. The best way I know how to do that is you've got to experience the unconditional love of God. And you have to take that fear, once again, you've got to take it to the cross and you've got to leave it there and say, I'm not letting that rule my life anymore. In fact, John, again, the, the, John the, the revelator, the disciple whom Jesus loves, says this about fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Every time I become fearful, I recognize I've forgotten how perfectly God loves me. And until you understand the power that Christ has provided for you, you are going to get stuck in a death cycle in your life. 
You're going to get stuck there. You're going to be stuck in this grave of defeat and misery. Child of God, still going to heaven, but you're stuck in a grave. So what's the solution? Here's the solution. Move on to maturity in your life. Start, start to grow, start to develop. Begin to take a journey to experience the fullness of what God actually has for your life. Here's again the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing a letter again, and this was a prayer that he had for them. Check this out. I pray for you constantly. By the way, I've been praying that you'd catch this same revelation. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is and all that he has done for you. Why does Paul want us to know that? He goes on in the next verse. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. And he continues with, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Listen, I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what it is, the issue that you're going through. And I will say this, there are some people that are dealing with shame and they don't even know they're dealing with shame. They just thought this is the way they're supposed to live. They thought, well, I I did wrong. I need to feel bad about what I've done wrong. So I need to beat myself up the rest of my life. There are some people that that deal with fear and think they're supposed to be fearful. Look, I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm anxious about my future because I'm responsible. And what we don't recognize a lot of time is that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to every one of us to destroy all shame and to destroy all fear. It's amazing. Listen, this power is available to everyone who believes. You believe in Jesus? It's available to you. Don't I got to live right? Don't I have to do everything right? No, you don't. Jesus already did everything right. I encourage you to do right things. Life works a little bit better when you do right things. But listen, because of what Jesus Christ has already done, everything has already been made available to you. It's been made available to you so that you can live in V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. That's our victory battle cry. God wants you to live in victory. God wants you to know the things that have been made available to you because you're his child. Here's how Romans, again, Paul writing says, now if we are children, his children, you are, if you're a a follower of Christ, you're a child of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The devil wants, again, you to believe the lies of the enemy that you don't qualify for the inheritance that Christ has already qualified you for. But you're an heir of God. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ, meaning we have joint accounts with Jesus Christ. We have joint accounts with the Son of God today. Listen, so what we've got to learn how to do is we've got to learn to access the accounts. We've got to learn how to write some checks. We've got to learn how to flip on the power switch in our life so that we can walk in the fullness that God has for us. So how can I grow and really experience this resurrection power? Here's what I'd like to ask as I close today. I'd like to ask you to give us a year. I know that's asking a lot. It probably won't take that long. But you give us a year of your life, and I promise you that God is going to change your life forever. That you're going to be able to move past the Friday experience of, okay, I'm saved, but I'm still living in a grave, to to walking in the resurrection power of God, where suddenly the things that used to hold you back and hold you down, they're not holding you back anymore. 
Now, I wish I could tell you today that when you left, everyone gets a magic wand. And you just have to wave it over your life and things are going to be perfect. But it doesn't work that way. See, it's a journey. It's one step at a time, growing, maturing, developing, becoming more like Jesus Christ, learning how to throw off weights. So what's that actually mean, give me a year? When you're asking me to give me a year, Pastor Richie, what does that actually mean? Here's, here's what, I'd, what I'd like to ask you to do. First thing is show up regularly for Sunday services. Just show up. Just start being faithful. Now listen, I know that it, we can kind of go, well, that's just legalism. It really isn't. When you show up on a consistent basis, you're going to begin to understand the amazing life that God has for you. Listen, you, you can't get an education without sitting in the class. Whether it's in the class or online, because I know some of you are thinking, oh, I can do it online, right? Either way, listen, you're, you've got to sit in the class. You've got you to hear the information. You've got to understand some things about science and math and history to, to actually grow in those things. Listen, if you want to get in shape, you can't sit on the couch and watch people. You actually got to get in the gym. You got to start watching what you eat. Come on, preach it, Pastor Richie. I think I'll amen myself because that's one of the ones I'm working on. Let me see if I can button my coat today. Listen, you just show up. Don't let other priorities, other good things, become more of a priority than the things of God. I'm afraid today we bail on the things of God so quickly because we know God's going to love us. But listen, it's because we want to grow. We want to take that journey. So first of all, show up regularly on a Sunday morning. Second thing, go through the growth track. We, we have developed a four-week class that's going to help you to understand the way that God's wired you. I don't know if you know this, but you're unique. The Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not another you anywhere. And we want you to understand your unique design, the way that God's wired you, things that you are naturally good at. Because you are naturally good at things for you to be a part of a team called the body of Jesus Christ so that together we can spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ to everyone that we come in contact with. The third and final thing is get into a small group. What's a small group? A small group is a small group of people. I know it's kind of can't really make the the definition with the word you're using, but it's a small group of people who meet all over the city at various times. And what happens in small groups is that we've all got some issues in our life. We've all got some, maybe some shame or some fear that we're dealing with or some kind of an issue in our life. And when you get in a small group, you're going to get into relationship and get some friendships developed. You're going to find some people that are going to be able to reach their hand down and help you out of the grave that you're stuck in. Because it's hard sometimes to get out of the grave ourselves. Because again, sometimes we don't even recognize when we're in a grave. We thought it's the way we're supposed to be. So we want to encourage you to do those three things. Be faithful to the house of God. Go through the growth track. Discover your purpose and get in a small group. And I'm telling you, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is going to start showing up in your life in amazing ways. Again, it won't be overnight, but you're going to be amazed looking back a year going, wow, I remember when that used to hold me back. I remember when that used to be an issue and that thing is not an issue anymore. God's got an amazing plan for your life. So here's what I want to do as we close today. First of all, I want to pray for those of you that might be here today and you've never made that decision to give your life to Christ. Or maybe you've made it at one point, but you're not where you need to be today. I want you to know that God wants you to get back on track and rededicate your life to Him. Second thing that I want to do is I want to pray for every one of us. 
any areas of our life where the devil has brought shame or fear into our life. We've got some past issues or some future issues that I want to pray that we'll take it to the cross today and make a decision say, I'm leaving it there. Even if the enemy tries to bring it up anymore, I'm not going to pick it up anymore. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. 